Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.com or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here's Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, everybody. This is Pastor Visser from Covenant People's Ministry, located in beautiful Brooks, Georgia. Once again, joining you on another Sunday morning, bring you the second half of my study began about a week ago, titled Cherubim and Balaam. And indeed, in this particular study, we're going to be looking deeper at Balaam and what exactly Balaam represents. It should be pointed out before we continue that a few people have sent me emails of encouragement and a few people have sent me emails of concern saying, well, Pastor Visser, you know, it's not a very Christian behavior to go along and attack other people who claim to be CI. And I like reminding those types of people that just because somebody claims to be CI doesn't necessarily mean that we're to have unity with them. And not only that, it was Jesus Christ himself who at one time in our gospel had to draw a line in the sand. And for me, dear kinsfolk, coming along and teaching my race that the Nephilim and the sons of God, quote-unquote, who are the angels, happen to be Mexicans, muds, or non-whites, is that line for me. And so it stands. Not only will I drop a few names here and there, but so also should you. Because they'll come along and they'll say, well, what about people like me who don't believe in angels? Where can I pick and choose my own belief? Well, that's not up to you to do. But there are many people out there who do. And not only that, they use sock puppets, they use trickery, they use all manner of deception to try to convince well-meaning whites that angels mean something other than exactly what it means within the Word of God. Well, this is a tactic of the Jew, my friend, because the Jew does the same exact thing when it pertains to the false prophet Balaam. And this morning study is going to be extremely important because it centers around that concept. Who is Balaam? What exactly did Balaam do? Well, those are the answers that we are going to answer this morning. Because the false prophet and soothsayer, Balaam, was born in Mesopotamia, and he was later murdered at the slaughter of Midian. It is the same person, Balaam, who's further mentioned several times in the New Testament as an eternal example of what not to follow. Understand me, dear kinsfolk, these negative examples that do exist within our word of God, like Balaam, like Cain, and many others, are examples for you to not follow in their footsteps. And this is usually when the Antifa will come along and say, well, why would I want to follow the Bible? After all, Abraham erred. After all, Isaac erred. Even Jacob. But that does not matter. How can I say that? I can say that because these particular types are meant to be examples of what not to follow. More importantly, it is Jesus Christ who warns the church in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. 
I have a few things against you that you have there, some holding to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to throw a stumbling block before the sons and daughters of Israel and to eat food sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual sin. End quote. Once again, that's found in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 14. But what we need to point out this morning, and what we need to recognize and get down, is that these behaviors still exist. Jesus Christ is addressing a specific church, in this particular case, Pergamum. And what he says is, I, Yeshua Messiah, have a few things against you, the church, and or this specific body of believers. And what do they do? Well, they hold to the teaching of Balaam. That's why Jesus Christ has an issue. Now, he's about to give you the Reader's Digest condensed version of what the doctrine of Balaam is. He says, he, who, Balaam, taught Balak to throw a stumbling block before the sons and daughters of Israel. Stopping right there. A stumbling block. What is that but something a particular person trips over? Now, we see these particular sad bastards who come along and they say, well, angels aren't literal. Demons aren't literal. They do the same exact thing. They throw out a stumbling block because they hope well-meaning Aryan people will fall into that trap. They'll come along and they'll say, well, you know what? The devil's Obama. Angels aren't truly the pure white son of God. They just so happen to be Mexicans. And they'll do lots of damage control, even going as far as to say, if you don't see things their way, then there must be something wrong with you. But there isn't, dear kinsfolk. That is, if you choose to side with the Bible over the erroneous transliterations of men. There are many men who come along and they'll point out correctly who the players of the Bible are. They understand that they themselves are Israelites. But yet they will skew that. They'll take their grace or their calling as a cloak of maliciousness and they'll sit back and they'll say, Hey, all Israel's saved. It doesn't matter what I do. I don't have to cling to the Word of God. You don't want to listen to these people out there. You don't want to listen to Pastor Visser. After all, he comes along and tells you angels have harps. And the devil is red-suited and has a pitchfork. But have I ever said that, dear kinsfolk? No, in fact, I've pointed out with Scripture references and Strong's numbering systems where exactly you should look to see that you're being deceived if it is you're falling into this modern Jewish no-devil belief. But it does not stop the false prophet from coming along and stating falsehoods as if they're truth. Just as convincingly as these particular bastards may say, well, don't listen to Pastor Visser. He teaches you angels have wings. And of course, that's scriptural, right? But that's a side point. They'll say, well, anybody who doesn't believe the way I do must be retarded. Well, it's up to you, dear kinsfolk, to decide what you want to follow. Jesus Christ... Or man. Jesus Christ is the living word. And it was he who taught beware the tradition of the elders. Why? Well, it's that same tradition of the elders that became known as the Talmud. And we're going to cover a few quotes from the Talmud this morning. Specifically dealing with this false prophet of Balaam. But it is our Messiah who continues to clarify. Not only did Balaam teach Balak to throw a stumbling block before the sons of Israel... He taught them to eat food sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual sin. Now, on a modern level, we can look at this as the false prophets who come along and say, 
Paul didn't really mean that you're supposed to be married. Bishop means something else. You don't have to be blameless, the husband of one wife, to go out and teach the world. Doesn't matter if you've been locked up and served 12 years for murder, and Paul says a murderer has no eternal life abiding within him. These false prophets will justify themselves within Scripture. Why? Because the law of God calls for specific groups of people to be put to death. Why? Because if they are not put to death, they will become emblazoned, empowered. And suddenly, they'll come attacking you for not being as dumb as they are. When a man goes out and rapes, that person is to be put to death as per God's law. Why? Because if he's not, according to the word of God, and he gets a little slap on the wrist, the first thing he does is go out and say, hmm, I got away with that one. Now I'm going to attack the genuine. So also it stands when it comes to being a pastor. There's a lot of people out there that go by the CI title. They even claim to be dual seed line Christian identity. But it's my opinion that they don't fall into the prerequisite of being a pastor on one degree or another. They may not be married. They may not have their children under subjection. They may just be murderers or universalists. But whatever it is, they want to attack somebody who did do it God's way. Ironically, that's the way of it. Now, we see this same behavior going on with Craig Cobb within the land. He's the latest, greatest white nationalist so-and-so. And indeed, he'll be locked up before you know it. But that's a side point. Craig Cobb is not an example for any Christian identist. Neither is Bill White, who authored articles stating that Yahweh God is Leviathan and he's the wicked serpent of the Jews. But the irony behind these particular statements, which are very Jewish in origin, is that there is some truth to them. Even Balaam saw Yahweh God as Satan, and it was a matter of perception to him. And so it stands today, many people will come along, and many non-people even, and they'll say, well, Yahweh God of the Old Testament, he's the devil. Perhaps you've heard this before, and in a polite way, what they're trying to say is, he's the devil to me. Now, you better understand that because Yahweh God is our God, there are many people out there who serve other gods. They serve other false prophets, and Balaam is one such example. What exactly did Balaam do? Well, we're going to look at that this morning. Because Balaam didn't come out and say, you know, Yahweh God's mad at you. Balaam didn't come out and he didn't say, you know, Yahweh God's going to curse you. Rather, as we covered in the first part of this particular sermon, Balaam came out and was going to prophesy good things to the children of Israel. And it was Yahshua and Yahshua, or Joshua, alone who withstood him. Now, to the average people out there, they would have said, hey, that sounds good. God is with us. Except God wasn't with him. It was a false prophecy, and a false prophecy meant to be withstood, which is why Joshua is so chosen. The stumbling block, quote-unquote, that Balaam cast before the Israelites was miscegenation and serving other gods. Pay close attention to me, dear kinsfolk. What Balaam did was promote miscegenation, meaning mixing and or mixing with the other peoples and their gods, and to serve them. So, in the biblical account that you have right now, it was Baal Peor. Now, who was Baal Peor? Well, we can read a little bit about Baal Peor in the book of Numbers, chapter 25. 
And we're going to read the first five verses right here. It says, quote, Israel, that's you and I, dear kinsfolk, that's Yahweh's people, joined himself, masculine, joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Israel. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before Yahweh against the sun, that the fierce anger of Yahweh may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Pay close attention, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. End quote. Again, that's Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 through 5. Now you may have heard this name before because Baal attached to anything usually means a form of God. It means Lord to a lesser extent. So we could say Baal Peor means Lord of the Gap in the original Hebrew. But there were many types of Baals. There was Baal Peor, there was Baal Zebub, and of course there was just Baal, whom the Jew would come along and tell Jesus Christ that he cast demons out with the power thereof. And Jesus Christ clearly explained what the unpardonable sin was. That is, to say that the Son of Man cast demons out with the power of who? Beelzebub. Lord of the dung or Lord of the fly. Singular. Now, a lot of people will come along and say, well, miscegenation's the unpardonable sin. Can't be anything else, even though it is explained within the Word of God. And am I justifying and protecting miscegenation? No, I'm not. It's a clear violation of the Seventh Commandment, dear kinsfolk, but it most assuredly is not the unpardonable sin. How can I say that? If it was, Moses wouldn't make it in. Paul wouldn't make it in. Even the Israelites would not make it in due to the sins of the forefathers. And so, just as Scripture says that the angels are the sons of God created in His image, that the Ahadam, or the Adamite people, were straightforwardly created in the image of the sons of God, and Yahweh God Himself, it does not stop the false prophets from coming along and somehow saying, well, a pure white son of God and a pure white daughter of Adam bred Mexicans, bred Native Americans into existence. Does that make a lick of sense to you, dear kinsfolk? Well, it doesn't to me, and you and I should be on guard of such false teachings. It should be pointed out, dear listener, I've spoken about both Balaam and his miraculous ass in my sermons, Jesus God or Not, and Tactics of the Lawless One. And those familiar with the Babylonian Talmud might be aware that the name of Jesus is replaced by this very false prophet Balaam. For example, a half-hearted study into Sanhedrin 106b proves that the Jews teach the Virgin Mary was a whore. And a quick glance at the footnotes will also show that, quote, all the Balaam passages are anti-Christian in tendency. So Balaam is being used as an alias for Jesus, end quote. Now that's a quote from so-called Rabbi Friedman, from the very Talmud itself. And what they say is, all the Balaam passages written about in the Talmud are anti-Christian in tendency. Balaam is being used as an alias for Jesus. So point one that should be pointed out, according to Jews and their oral traditions, that same tradition of the elders that we read about, which is the Talmud, Every time you see the reference to Balaam, 
It's actually addressing Jesus Christ. Why? Well, perhaps the reason for that is because it was Joshua and Joshua alone who withstood Balaam. And through his behavior of standing against this false prophet, by extension, brought deliverance to the children of Israel. But as I pointed out, it was Yahshua or Joshua who was a type of Jesus Christ. It was him in that same book of Numbers who says, As for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh God, and him only will we serve. But if you want to serve Baal, serve Baal. If you want to serve Yahweh God, serve Yahweh God. And so it stands today. There are many Israelite men and women who want to come along and they want to say, Well, I don't believe in angels. What does somebody like me have to do? Or what do I need to read to justify my own belief? And the reality of it is, is if you don't believe in angels, you don't believe in the Word of God, son. That's all I can say. If you somehow think that pure white sons of God can mate with the daughters of Adam and bring an entire another race into existence, then you're no different than the Judeo-Christians who believe that Noah can have one of three race children with his one white wife. It's universalism, and it goes by different guises, many colors and many disguises. And like Scripture attests to, the hypocrite nine times out of ten will call you what they are. So do not be shocked when you find out the person screaming universalist, universalist, is usually the one bringing universalist ideas into existence. Consider this, dear friends, the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, gives further proof when they say, quote, in the 19th century, when the field of academic Jewish studies was in its infancy, a small group of Jewish scholars suggested that in some cases, the term Balaam in the Talmud may be a code word for Jesus. End quote. Well, it goes right there. There's a second quote from the very enemy themselves saying that Balaam is Jesus Christ, at least according to their Talmud. Why is that? So they can come along and they can say all manner of evil against Balaam and the Goyim won't understand that they're talking about Jesus Christ. Now, you've heard me quote the anti-Gentile sentiment, quote-unquote, that comes out of the Talmud before in such quotes as Jesus is a bastard born of adultery. Jesus is in hell being boiled in dung. Now, that's just a sampling of some of the things that are found within the Talmud. That is Judaism's most holy and protected book. It's no wonder that the Creator Jesus Christ purposely calls out the same doctrine of Balaam by name in the second chapter of Revelation. Knowing this, it is evident that the Babylonian Jewish Talmud has no place within Christianity, and it truly doesn't. Many Judeo-Christians get deceived. They come along and they say, well, the Jews follow the Torah. Even though they don't, they follow the Talmud. It is white Christians who follow the Torah. It is white Christians who follow the New Testament both. And I might even go on record right now and say that it's only white Christians who understand that there's just as much New Testament in the Old. That there's just as much Jesus Christ in the old. There's no great change. That new covenant made under the New Testament was made with the same people of the old. The same people who had a choice to follow Baal Peor, to follow Balaam, to follow their heart's belief, or to follow Yahweh God. Now we see this example time and time again. This is why Jesus Christ would say, man does not live by bread alone. Because if you're not following every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, you're going to start following your own traditions. 
You're going to start justifying your own behaviors within the Word of God as opposed to adapting the Word of God to your life. And suddenly, before you know it, you're listening to a man who killed Mexicans saying, well, Mexicans are non-whites. They're spawned from the fallen angels. Aren't I justified? Pretty soon, you're going to be listening to somebody who molests little children coming along saying, I was set up, I was framed. All the while, trying to excuse the fact that he didn't have his own house in order. All the while, excusing the fact that neither of these examples are fit to preach, as per the New Testament. I mean, we don't have to come along and point out that women aren't allowed to preach. And nine times out of ten, most of the people who spend so much time saying women shouldn't preach, which is a fact, scripturally, are those who shouldn't be preaching themselves. Why? Because those who should be preaching, it's a non-issue. To those who are truly innocent, they don't have to go along exclaiming their innocence all the time. And to those who can truly defend their biblical premises, well, they don't need to resort to straw man arguments. Meaning, they don't really care either. doesn't matter to me, dear kinsfolk, if you choose to listen to the words of God or the traditions of men, which is the same Talmud. The so-called tradition of the elders became this Jewish Talmud that we're addressing today. And so it stands the reason why many people go to the Judeo-Christian pulpits, they're lied to, they wonder why it is that uh, Yahweh God holds them in contempt, holds them as an abomination. Perhaps it's because they hold to this, right here, this stumbling block, the teaching of Balaam. A teaching of Balaam is a stumbling block that can stumble you. But it should be pointed out that in order for you to trip over a stumbling block, you have to be on the path to begin with. So if you're off path, false prophet's not going to have any effect on you. But if you are on path, dear kinsfolk, you have two options. Listen to the word of God and live by it alone or be misled by the traditions of men. So back to Numbers chapter 25. Here we see Moses said, Slay ye every one that were joined unto Baal Peor. Slay every single one of them. That's the command of Moses. And while that may not sound very Christian, it is. It was Yahshua Messiah who made a statement eerily similar to this. He says, Those who would not have me reign over them, bring them thither and slay them before me. Now that perhaps is a study for another day. But if you're going to a Judeo-Christian church and they're telling you Jesus Christ loves everybody, you should already know they're following traditions. False traditions. Because that's not found within Scripture. Jesus Christ said, I am come only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was Baal Peor who was the counterfeit god of the Moabites. And he was worshipped by his own adherents in illicit temple orgies. This deity is most often represented as both a male sun god and a female moon goddess, and was revered high atop Mount Peor on the left bank of the River Jordan, hence the plain name Lord of Peor, where the resulting illegitimate offspring were eventually sacrificed unto him. Now understand this, dear kinsfolk. These weren't other nations. They were Moabites. Moab came through the lineage of Lot. Albeit it was through one of his incestuous daughters, but Ammon and Moab were the descendants of Lot's daughters through incest. So, they also wore white skin. They also had another god. That god happened to be Baal Peor. And what they would do is they would, just like in the year 2013, have themselves a nice little gangbang. And when the women became impregnated, well, they would go full term, deliver the children, and sacrifice them by fire, 
by throwing them off of the mountain or by whatever means they had at their disposal to this false god, Baal Peor. Is that any different than what we see in the land today? Well, there are many parents who will sacrifice their children at the altar of political correctness. There are many adult Israelites who will sacrifice their position within the coming kingdom of Yahweh God because they chose to follow the traditions of men as opposed to the word of God and its straightforward teachings. Do not sacrifice any bit of your Christian walk to anything that is not substantiated within the word of God. Now, I have provided you ample proofs Scripture references in this very study to prove that angels are extremely literal, that the sons of God are white, that the Nephilim are not reserved in heaven because they're non-white, because to teach as such would be universalism. But in the end, the choice is yours, what you choose to decide. You're not believing in what I say versus what another pastor says. You're not going to be able to cherry-pick which belief suits you because there is no private interpretation within the Scripture. There is either the world, which is mammon, or there is God. You can serve one or the other. You are either in the black or the white, the right, the wrong. But as I've pointed out time and time again, there is no gray area with God. You're not a little bit right here and a little bit wrong here. It does not work that way with Yahweh. And at the risk of digressing... The question that should be asked in the minds of my listeners when these people pop up and they start saying, well, the devil's not literal, angels aren't literal, is why? All of Christendom has accepted that. The historical church fathers attest and confirm to that. All of our art, including much of the art that is used in this very video series on YouTube, TrueTube, and all over the Internet, are done by white Anglo-Saxon European artists. And all of them have been able to go back to the Word of God and the descriptions given, the cherubim, the seraphim, etc., and paint beautiful works. In fact, many cults have even sprung up throughout time entirely dedicated to the angel so that they worship the angel, which is the creation more than the Creator. This is the reason why it's so forbidden within Yahweh's Word, and we're going to cover that again in a future segment of the Morning Star series. Why it is Yahweh God would say, do not bow to angels, do not listen to angels. Why? Because angels, for lack of a better term, are the exact opposite of demons. And just as it is, demons can come along and tell you something that's not within the Word of God, so can angels. That is a fallen angel and their offspring that are considered to be demons as per the prophet Enoch and our own New Testament book of Peter. And so, if we accept that as a biblical fact, then we shouldn't have any problems whatsoever understanding that these same demons, these same false prophets will protect their father, the devil. And they'll come along and they will say, hey, you know, whatever you want to hear. That's what Balaam did. He didn't follow Yahweh. He couldn't even hear Yahweh. He wasn't even of the right lineage. But yet he was able, at least for a short time, in the biblical narrative and the example, to fool the children of Israel. So much so that one who was called, having the very spirit of Yahweh God, could withstand him. And of course, we've already covered that this morning. That was Joshua, who was a foreshadowing of Yahshua to come. And many people within CI will even say that was Yahshua himself. But that's a study for another day. So, Baal Peor is a god who represents not only the sun, which is masculine, but the moon, which is feminine. He represents both. And like the Jews of today, 
They still do the same exact thing. They play both cards. They burn their candle at both ends, but whatever it is, they'll be seen on both sides. For example, in the case of Craig Cobb, they'll be seen as those who are saying, well, this is America. We have the First Amendment, don't we? We have the freedom of speech. Yet, on the other hand, they're also the ones setting him up, frame him. And he'll be locked up soon enough, dear kinfolk. Rest assured, why sit and argue when you want an all-white enclave? You want an all-white town? When you had an all-white town, it was 98%. Don't go into the small town of Leith, North Dakota, attacking the white people who live there and expect them to be grateful to you. Don't expect them to welcome you with open arms. What is that? That, dear kinfolk, is a tear. Not even a false prophet, but a tear. Someone who shares the same uniform, the same white skin as you, who will mislead you, who will eventually, probably land you in jail if you follow their teachings. Why? Because they want to be leaders of men. They want to be those who come along and are reverenced, as opposed to put all the glory onto Yahweh God. And that's where the glory truly belongs. Why? Because without Yahweh God, we can't do a single thing. Without Yahweh God, who will protect you when you eventually do go down? And I've seen it happen time and time again. Hal Turner went down. Bill White went down. All within my lifetime. And many, many more in that amount of time. Edgar Steele, Kevin Alfred Strom. I've seen countless godless white nationalists come and go. But I've never seen a genuine Christian identity adherent be uh, framed or set up or disappear or do something crazy. Why is that? Perhaps that's because their desire is to give Yahweh God the praise. That was not the desire of Balaam. It was because of the Israelites engaging in the forbidden practice of having these orgies and sacrificing the offspring to Baal Peor that our own King David wrote in Psalm 106, verse 28, quote, They joined themselves also. Who? They. The Israelites. The Israelites joined themselves also unto Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Are you eating the sacrifices of the dead today? Many of our children are. We live in a society that centers around death worship. Why? Death is a polite way of saying Satan's name. Satan is death. Jesus Christ, the living word, overcame death. That was Satan. And that's why death is capitalized, deified and personified as per our own book of Revelation. As is the word of God to represent Jesus Christ. The last enemy to be overcome by each and every one of us is death. Who do you think that is? Well, the false prophet will come along and say, death is just a physical act. It's the opposite of birth. When in reality, death represents Satan. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the what? The life. On that one pivotal statement is such a powerful witness and a powerful testimony of who Jesus Christ really was. He's the opposite of all things false. So if he's the way then the false represents the false path, the path to destruction. If he's the truth, then the false prophet will represent lies and or deception. And if he's the life, well, then the false prophet will be teaching death. And most likely be found saying, well, Yahweh God's going to put you in a hole in the ground. You're going to sit there for eons. You're going to be resurrected like King Zombie just from the walking dead and Yahweh God's going to judge you that way. Yet it's not found within Scripture at all. In fact, Scripture says when that silver cord parts, you're instantly with the Father. Instantly. The moment you give up the Spirit, you go back to the Father who gave it. That example was seen within Yahweh God in the flesh. Jesus Christ, as He died, where'd He go? 
He ascended to be with the Father. He didn't go into a hole in the ground. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because these false prophets who attack baptism, who attack the reality of angels and the devil, also love saying that you're going to rot in a hole in the ground and you're going to be judged at some later judgment. Is that any different than the Catholics saying you're going to go into purgatory? Well, it's not scriptural. And it seems like one lie leads to another lie, to another lie. And I've seen this in my own walk. I've seen the no devils come along and say, hey, the devil's just your flesh. That sounds good. That's how it was ten years ago. And then eight years ago, they add a little bit to it. They come along and they say, well, every man's tempted through his own flesh. Therefore, Israelites are the devil. Then they wait a few years, and six years ago, they'll come along and they'll say, well, the Israelites aren't really the devil. All the devils, or quote-unquote demons, happen to be non-whites. These guys can't make up their mind because they don't have a heart inclined to understand Yahweh God's in control. They want to be in control. Don't you understand that? That's the reason why. They can't understand Yahweh God has His Word preserved exactly the way He wants it. These are they who Scripture attest to the fact that they worship and have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. What good does it do you to come along and say, hey, I believe in the Word of God, but the Bible's full of crap. It's unreal. It's all fiction. It's full of errors. It does you no good whatsoever. But it will do you much good to incline your heart to study, to understand. The children of Israel in the book of Numbers did not do as such. They didn't study. They didn't search the word out daily. So much so that all a false prophet, in this case Balaam, had to do was come along and preach what? Prosperity. God's going to bless you, he says. But it wasn't true. That's the point you need to take home this morning. And so it was King David who said in Psalm 106 that they who the Israelites joined themselves unto Baal Peor. But it is the minor prophet Hosea who gives us all a much needed second witness. For example, the book of Hosea, chapter 9, verse 10. Quote, I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at her first time. But they went to Baal Peor and separated themselves unto shame and their abominations were according as they loved. End quote. Let me read that last point again verbatim from the mouth of Hosea. Those Israelites who went and joined themselves unto Baal Peor and ate of the same sacrifices of the dead, they separated themselves unto shame. That is shame to Yahweh God. And not only that, their abominations were according as they loved. What can we learn from that? We can learn from the fact that Yahweh God is a God of love who gives you your reward, whether it's here on earth or it's in the kingdom to come. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you've enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com, where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts. You can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life. 
and help to build his church so that when he returns, he will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Jesus Christ would say, Woe unto ye rich, for ye have received your reward. That's not saying that the rich do not receive a reward. That is saying that their reward is not as great. That their reward is just riches for a season. Now, those who joined themselves, guess what they did? They separated themselves under their own shame. They went and did exactly what it was that was within their heart, and they justified it. They erected a false prophet, or not even erected him, but rather went after one. They were the same ones who said, hmm, well, I don't really believe the children of Israel are the called of God, just to give you an example. Where can I pick and choose? Where's somebody like me got to go to read somebody who's going to tickle my ears and tell me what I want to hear about angels because I don't believe in them? You don't believe in angels? Then you don't believe in the sons of God because that's exactly what they are. How can you even come along and profess to be a son of God if you don't believe Satan is one? Scripture says he was. Scripture says Adam was the son of God. Hell, Scripture says we're all sons of God. That term, sons of God, denotes white. Not the non-whites or the mixed seed. So there, the children of Israel's abominations were according as they loved. Just like the rest of Scripture says, they themselves erected pastors according to their own heart. They themselves had abominations within their heart. So it was no great feat for them to erect their own Joel Osteens, their own Billy Grahams, who would tickle their ears, tell them what they wanted to hear, even though it was not the word of God. Now, who overcame was Joshua, his household. Who overcame were the Israelites at the slaughter of Midian, who had a heart inclined to follow Yahweh's charge, and not the phony prophecies given down by Balaam. So, to the flippant listener, this may not sound like a quote-unquote loving God, but it is most certainly the biblical one. The scriptural penalty for those who teach contrary to God's word is death. Dear kinsfolk, how can I say that? Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 5. And the Christian's inability to follow this dictate is why we're up to our eyebrows with false prophets and their no-devil doctrines today. That is why I began this morning's study on that topic. If evil is not purged from within your land, Yahweh God promises you that it will become empowered. And before you know it, there will be nothing but evil within the land. And anybody living in the year 2013, looking around at faggots getting married, at them trying to legalize pedophilia, at them coming along and passing miscegenation as if it's the greatest thing when 20 years ago it was still an abomination, better get their head examined like Craig Cobb. Because the reality of it is, you live down here in Satan's kingdom. Jesus Christ said, Lucifer is the prince of the power of the air, the prince of this world. God's kingdom is not on earth now. Dear kinsfolk, how can I say that? Because if he was, his law would be in effect. And these abominations who want to defile the concept of marriage, and love, etc., would not even be able to draw breath within a true, genuine Christian society. Simply put, those who teach lawlessness or blind faith in man's counterfeit government serve the lawless one. And that's a biblical term. Why is he called the lawless one? Well, that's because he's the exact opposite of Jesus Christ, who was the law. What do you think the word is? If Jesus Christ is the living word, then he's the law too. Not only that, he's the God who gave the law. There's no confusion there. 
But these sad bastards will follow the lawless one. They won't follow the law. They'll sit there and they'll attack the genuine Christians all the while they've committed offenses that are worthy of death as per the very law they preach. And frankly, I find it ironic. They'd be better off just going and being a Judeo-Christian than condemning themselves under the law, not aspiring to follow the whole of it. Not only that, being in such open contradiction to the law, but then focusing in on one point. That's no different than the Pharisees in John chapter 8. They taught the law. They were the ones there saying, hey, stone this woman. But the law said the man needed to be there as well. Go figure. They could adapt the law. The enemies of Christ here, they could adapt the law according to their own specific situations and needs. And that's why I want to point out, it does not matter what happens in the town of Leith. It does not matter if they think they have the full backing of the law and the sheriff and the townspeople. The law is rubber. Man's law, that is. God's law is not. But man's law is rubber. And they can come along and say, I'm constitutionally guaranteed to put up signs on my property. You may be. You may have that First Amendment right. But also, don't be surprised if there's a loophole in that law of man somehow. Well, they'll just throw everything else out and put your ass in jail for the charge anyway. Man's law centers around that premise. It doesn't matter if you're innocent or guilty. It matters how much money you have. Christ taught no different. He says, man will judge you according to how you look, how much money you make, etc. But Yahweh God will judge your heart, and that is why he's the only true judge. And I might add, as I grow older, dear kinsfolk, I find God's law even more true. Those who truly do get away with their violations of God's law, they get worse and worse. Not only do they get worse and worse, they know because their time is short, they spiral worse and worse in the hopes that one or two people will be misled. It doesn't matter how many times you prove to them from the Word of God, angels are literal, baptism means immersion by water, they'll have a justification for it. That should be your first clue. If they're justifying away the clear-cut teachings of the Word of God, they're not dual seed line. They're just like the Judeo-Christians who do the same exact thing. Simply put, those who teach lawlessness or blind faith in man's counterfeit government serve the lawless one who is none other than Satan. So let's now examine the biblical account for ourselves and see if angels are supernatural or not. Now I'm going to read again from the Noah Webster Bible. And I'm going to begin reading in the 22nd chapter of Numbers, right around verse 21. Quote, Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of Yahweh stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now, he who, Balaam, was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of Yahweh standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. Now you may know this narrative. Balaam's riding his ass. He's on his way to prophesy falsely to the children of Israel. And the ass is carrying Balaam and Balaam's with his two other people. Two other Moabites went with Balaam. Now the interesting thing about this narrative, the Hebrew word used for adversary is, you guessed it, Hasatan. It is Satan. Meaning, a better way to read this narrative 
in Numbers 22 is thus. And the angel of Yahweh stood in the way as Satan against him. Now what we need to get down from Numbers chapter 22 and the Balaam account is Yahweh God's anger was kindled against Balaam. And he sends one of his own angels, this proper noun, Satan, here transliterated, an adversary. So, Yahweh God sent Satan to stand as an adversary to Balaam. Yet it was Yahweh God who sent him. And it was Yahweh God who was Balaam's adversary, and or Hasatan. So to Balaam, part of Yahweh, a part of Yahweh's plan for the ages, was the devil. And that's why I want you to understand a matter of perception much of this is. Meaning, many people out there in the Judeo-Christians will say Yahweh is a god of racism. He must be the devil. Doesn't matter if he's the god of the Bible. Doesn't matter if the very first law uttered from God's mouth to man is kind after kind. They'll find a reason to justify it. They'll say, well, we're all humankind. We're all mankind. We all bleed red. They have a million and one justifications to say race is just a social construct. But yet, when Craig Cobb, the creator, goes on to these Negro Jerry Springer shows, well, the Antifas are all about race then. They're giving him DNA tests, aren't they? They're calling him a what? A racist. And I don't want to use Craig Cobb for an example because Craig Cobb's days are numbered. But I want you to understand one thing. Creators are against Christianity. And as a result, every single one of them takes the hard road. As a result, every single one of them does not have the protective shroud of Yahweh God to protect them. And as such, they are sitting ducks for the enemy. As a result, they hate Christ and the Word of God more so than a Jew. And then they sit there when they're eventually arrested and wonder why. Why am I going to be locked up? Perhaps that's because you, just like Balaam, became an abomination and Yahweh God has now stood as an adversary. And if you don't want to believe that Yahweh God stood as an adversary, Yahweh God will send that adversary. Who do you think that is? Satan. That's what his name means. Now, the false prophet, single seed liner, will take this to say, well, there it is. Yahweh God stood as a Hasatan to Balaam. Therefore, there's no devil. <laughs> Yet it is Yahweh God who has no part within evil. There is a reason it's differentiated and separate from Yahweh God. Because Yahweh God can have no part within evil. Even though the devil is a part of God's plan. For example, here, the devil did technically a good thing. The devil withstood Balaam, which is what we should be doing. And once again, we see that God can bring good out of evil. So, in this passage, the word adversary is Satan, meaning this angel of Yahweh is Lucifer, hand-selected by Yahweh God himself to do the bidding of God and bring about his will. More importantly, in these passages, the devil isn't seen by Balaam, establishing that this angel isn't a mortal, but rather a supernatural deity unseen until the time appointed. Now, consider that. Here, the context is an angel. An angel standing in the curvature of the road and standing against Balaam and his ass. Balaam didn't see him. Was he hiding? No. Scripture says he was standing there. Not only that, he was standing in the way and his sword was drawn in his hand. Balaam didn't see it. What was Balaam? A no-devil. Balaam was one who would come along and say, the devil's not literal. He couldn't even see it, but the dumbass he rode upon could. 
Animals oftentimes are more in tune with the supernatural than man. Why? Because animals sense evil, they'll flee. Mankind will say, that's not evil. They'll walk right into it and they're consumed by it. Or they're destroyed by it. They don't understand it's for their own life because they seek to justify it away or say, hey, evil doesn't exist. That must mean if I walk through a black neighborhood, through the projects, through the dirty south, right here at 2 a.m., I'll be safe. Why? Because I don't believe I'll be attacked. That's the liberal mindset in a nutshell. It was Balaam who refused to do as commanded by God, if you go back and you read the entire account in Numbers chapter 22. And he would teach doctrine according to the highest bidder. Anybody who came along and said, Hey, Balaam, I got a few extra shekels if you'll go down there and tell the children of Israel they'll be cursed. But that wasn't what he was going to do. He was going to bless, quote-unquote, the children of Israel. And why would Yahweh God withstand them? Because the blessing from an abominable false prophet is a curse for you and your household. And the scripture attests to that, and that's why Yahweh God had to intervene. The prayer of a righteous man avails much, but the prayer of whoso turneth his ear from hearing the law, it shall even be an abomination. Meaning the person himself who's turned his ear from the law, like Balaam, is an abomination within the eyes of God. Now that doesn't stop him from coming along saying, I'm going to prophesy what you want. What did they want Balaam to prophesy? Not the children of Israel, but the leaders of Moab. Wanted him to go out and say, hey, it's okay, God's going to bless you. Why? Because they knew it was a lie and they knew that the children of Israel would die in war if they really believed Yahweh God was with them when he truly wasn't. So understand that. He would teach doctrine according to the highest bidder and he was on his way to curse, quote-unquote, the Israelites by blessing them, right? And draw them into apostasy. Thus he became hated of Yahweh God. Now, my listener right about this time may be saying, well, Pastor Visser, you can't say Yahweh God hates. God is love. Yet it is Scripture who says Yahweh God hated Esau, hates the Edomites. Obadiah says that Yahweh God hates the Edomites, and he's going to destroy them. None shall be remaining. That's the God of the Bible. Man will come along and say God doesn't hate, yet man's created in his own image and has the ability to do the same thing. Yeah, we can feel jealousy. We can feel hate. We can feel love, even. But yet, men will come along and somehow limit God. And say, well, God created Adam man in his own image, but God himself doesn't have the ability to feel all those emotions he instilled within his Adamite beloved creation. So understand those feelings of anger, those feelings of love, those feelings of persecution, they are a gift from Yahweh God. He gives them to you as a form of discernment. But what do you do with that when you get the key? What do you do? Well, that answer is up to you. A lot of it has to do with the perception of the particular individual. Time and time again, Scripture says man will try to self-justify within the Word of God. Meaning, if he's a rapist, well, he's not going to listen to Pastor Visser because I'm saying that the law of God says that uh, rapists should be put to death. But he will listen to somebody like Joel Olstein, for example, who says, hey, the law's done away with. That's fornication. That's the doctrine of Balaam. That's saying anything goes, everything's all right, but the clear-cut commandment of Scripture. This angel, Satan, that we read about in Numbers 22, had a sword in his hand, verifying that cherubs often do the quote-unquote dirty work of God, like raining fire and brimstone on the numerous homosexuals and miscegenators that occupied Sodom, or even causing Herod to give up the ghost and be eaten of worms, and we've already covered that from this very pulpit. 
As the Old Testament narratives are meant to be examples for future Christians, as per 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6-11, through 11, it should also be noted that in this situation, Balaam was blind, yet his quote-unquote dumb ass had the ability to see clearly. Such is the case today. Those blinded to the reality of angels and demons often beat upon those who can, at least in a spiritual sense. Now, Balaam's ass saw the devil. And Balaam went to beating his ass to try and get it back within his path. He was off the path. He went into a field because he was fearful. And it'd be very fearful to see Satan in his true form, especially sent by Yahweh God. But Balaam didn't recognize that. And so he goes to beating on his female ass. Continuing on in Numbers chapter 22, verse 24, Noah Webster Bible. Quote, The angel of Yahweh, that's Satan, once again, stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of Yahweh, she thrust herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he, who Balaam, smote her, the ass, again. And the angel of Yahweh went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of Yahweh, she fell down under Balaam and Balaam's anger was kindled and he smote the ass with his staff. So he goes to beating his jackass because his jackass was smarter than him. And what we see today within the landers, those who profess to be dual seed line Christian identity doing the same exact thing. They'll beat in a spiritual sense and say, what's wrong with you? How come you can't read the clear-cut teaching of the Bible that says that the Nephilim are Mexicans? Well, that's because it's not clear-cut. In fact, the scripture, if you even want to take it on face value, the 1611 King James, testifies more so to the opposite fact. But they'll look at you, and then they'll want to beat you up, cast you out of their company, because you don't want to stay on the broad path to destruction. Notice that within this narrative, the path becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, more and more narrow as he approaches the curvature. The devil's standing there the whole time holding a sword, which is a double-edged sword. It's technically the word of Yahweh, the very word of Yahweh God that Balaam was on his way to pervert. So the jackass lowers herself. She collapses under the weight of Balaam out of fear, out of fright, or just for this prophecy to be pronounced, who knows? But it happens. Balaam can't even see it. What we need to learn from Balaam is that anyone who cannot see the devil is a false prophet. No different than this Mesopotamian soothsayer. No different. That's why it's here. Why do you think it is? Why do you think it says an adversary? God's anger was kindled because he went, and an angel of Yahweh, or Satan, stood as an adversary against him. Peter teaches why there are false prophets. Pay close attention. You've heard me preach on this countless times. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 15 through 16 says, quote, They went astray and were deceived, having followed in the way of Balaam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he had a rebuke for his own iniquity. A mute donkey, having spoken in a person's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. End quote. Again, Second Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. It is Jude, the brother of Christ, who even adds in verse 11 of his epistle, quote, How horrible it will be to them, because they traveled in the way of Cain. What's the way of Cain? Murder. 
And for pay, they plunged into the deception of Balaam. What is the deception of Balaam? What is this stumbling block that was cast before the children of Israel? Anyone who will come along and deceive and preach for pay to the highest bidder. That's what Balaam did. And these no-devil false prophets do the same exact thing. And why would they have a vested interest in teaching you the devil's not literal? Ask yourself that question. How horrible it will be for them because they traveled in the way of Cain, and for pay they plunged into the deception of Balaam, and they perished in the rebellion of Kor. And the King James, this is rendered the gainsaying of Korah. And Korah, of course, is the account in the Old Testament narrative where the ground itself opens up. And Yahweh God saw to it that many of the rebellious Israelites were swallowed up and destroyed. Killed. Why? Because it's love. If you love your tree, you will prune the dead wood from it. If you love your family, you will not allow a snake to come into your living room. It's common sense. Yahweh God loved his Israelite people. And that's why his law calls for sodomites, rapists, kidnappers, and even worse, to be put to death out of love. Yahweh God says when a Christian nation follows his laws, there will be peace within the land. But when that nation turns from hearing the law, there will be nothing but curses and plagues. And at that point, when the entire world is like it is in this year, 2013, the only thing you have left is Yahweh God. And you better be right within his eyes, because the entire world's going to tell you you're wrong irregardless. Whether you go on the Trisha Goddard show, whether you go out there and you try to be kosher conservative like Don Black and wear a black tie, they're going to come along and they're going to judge you based on how you behave. Not how good a game you have, but how you behave. How can I say that? That's what they did to Jesus Christ. As he walked, they attacked his person. Never could they say he perverted the word of God. Why? He was the living word incarnate. He was the word who could come against the Pharisees and say it is written. When he came against Satan, we've covered it already in the last part of this very sermon. He said, it is written, it is written. He knew the word of God. But Balaam would come along and change what was written. And many of the other false prophets would do as such in the rebellion and or gainsaying of Kor. Naturally, false prophets will teach contrary to God's spoken, written word, and oftentimes will be funded by groups with anti-Christ interests. And I might say, your average Judeo-Christian is anti-Christ. Why? Because that's what a Jew is. They deny Jesus Christ as God. They deny it came in the flesh. They'll say he was just a great prophet, but he wasn't the son of God. Whatever it is, it's a denial of who Yeshua is. And dual seed line Christian identity has its fair share of false prophets, rest assured, dear kinsfolk. Consider that Balaam eventually saw the literal Satan standing in the way of his path. What's that say about those who deny the existence of an adversary to God's chosen people? When even Balaam was able to see the devil. Well, it says that they're worse. It says that the single seed line are OSLs who want to infiltrate Christian identity and bring you into Judaism. Might as well have a bar mitzvah, right? It's just Yetzirahara. Have an agenda. They deny the law of God. And much like those who deny God's law, the literal teachings of Christ and much of Christian history, those who reject the word are rebellious to Yahweh God, period. They're considered rebels. And so, speaking of the eternal word, the chronicle of how Balaam's ass gains the ability to converse is unforgettable. And you can read about it in the same chapter of Numbers, chapter 22, verse 28. Quote, Yahweh opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? Question. 
Soon after this dealing with Satan, Balaam begins to quote-unquote bless the children of Israel, as per Joshua chapter 24, verse 10. But Joshua, or Yahshua himself, resists him and delivers the chosen Israelite people. Now consider the context. Balaam was on his way to bless, to say good things, prosperity. Yahweh God is with you, children of Israel. You're going to overcome the war. You're going to have peace. You're going to have all these things. But Yahweh God didn't send them. In fact, Yahweh God was angry with him and tried to hinder him from doing what he did by sending an angel of the Lord to be a ha-satan against him. But to the average flippant modern person of the time, they would have loved hearing Balaam's prophecies. And in fact, they would have seen Joshua, somebody who would come along and say, why would you come against Balaam? Balaam's coming to say that we're going to be blessed. But yet it was Joshua withstanding his quote-unquote abominable blessings that delivered the children of Israel. And that is exactly how we can deliver ourselves from the same doctrine of Balaam that Jesus Christ names by name. By withstanding it. If it's not written, it's not the word of God. It wasn't written what Balaam was saying. In fact, Yahweh God had spoken quite the contrary. Said if he goes to war, they're going to be destroyed. It's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to be good for them. But the children of Israel would have liked to have heard that, wouldn't they? And so it stands today. The Judeo-Christians do the same exact thing. All it is is prosperity. Life's going to be a bed of roses once you open your heart to Jesus Christ, but it's not found within Scripture. Yahweh God says, as per His law, if this society continues to embrace sodomite marriage, if we continue to excuse the transgressors, kidnappers, sodomites, and pedophilias, then we also, as a nation, will be cursed. And we are cursed, dear kinsfolk. And that's why I'm saying, do what you can for your nation. But remember, it starts on a personal level. You can do nothing in delivering your neighbor. You can do nothing getting the splinter out of his eye until you first remove the beam from yours. So what I'm trying to point out is in this godless age, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't be so worried about all these dogmas. Don't be so worried about what the world is saying is normal. Because what the world says is normal is not. The world would have said Balaam was a great guy. And in fact, by today's standards, Joshua would have been seen as a hate criminal. He would have been seen as a racist. He would have been most assuredly seen as being not tolerant. So don't tolerate the filth as it enters within your land, dear kinsfolk. There are many different creatures Yahweh God created that do His bidding. Consider that the prophet Zechariah wrote, and pay close attention, this is in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 10, quote, I saw by night, and behold a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. And behind him there were red horses, speckled and white, end quote. When he asked an angel what they are, Zechariah was told by the angel of Yahweh God, quote, These are they whom Yahweh has sent to walk to and fro through the earth. End quote. That's Zechariah chapter 1, verse 10. These divine horses, quote-unquote, will be covered in full detail in an upcoming sermon from this same series. But for now, it's safe to say, that denying the existence of the supernatural realm is certainly a sad and ignorant position to be in, especially when we're being judged by Yahweh God. You can read about that for yourself in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 23. And if you require any additional proofs of the quotes I've provided, for example, from the Talmud, 
from the various translations and or transliterations of the Word of God, then swing by the website at covenantpeoplesministry.com or .org and they will be provided for you. So please, my racial kinsfolk, my intention with this specific part, the second and final part of this particular sermon, is to again prove that angels are factual. And once again I have. Seemingly it matters little to the deceived Christian how many scriptural proofs you provide them with regarding the biblical concepts of heavenly cherubim or evil spirits. As a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, as per Galatians chapter 5 verse 9, so too those that accept the belief that they themselves are Satan are in a continual cycle of being off track. The good thing is such pitiful creatures are bound under us because Christ gave us the victory through his sacrifice. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57. This quote-unquote no-devil belief is relatively new, and it is certainly foreign to Christian identity. It's designed by the enemies of God to shatter the body of Christ by those who openly hold to, quote, the teachings of Balaam, end quote, and happen also at the same time to play upon man's intellect. In the biblical narrative we covered this Sunday morning, The dumb ass or mute donkey, quote-unquote, had more wisdom than Balaam until God opened his eyes, giving him the ability to see what was always in plain sight. Pay close attention. The devil was not any less literal to Balaam because Balaam could not see him. In fact, all God did to Balaam was open his eyes so he could see what his donkey already did. And this is a point I want to drive home this morning. And why I've said so many times, it does not matter how many times you point out from the Word of God until Jesus Christ gives them eyes to see, they're not going to understand it. They're not going to see what's hidden in plain sight. And such is the way of those who deny the existence of literal angels and demons should be handled. Only Jesus Christ can give one the eyes to see. And if they don't see them, then mark them. Move on. You cannot have fellowship with darkness and you sure cannot have fellowship with those who are going to come along and mislead your race under the guise of unity. You're not being very nice, Pastor Visser, by naming names yet. I'm going to continue to keep naming names. In fact, we've managed to get quite a bit of support this month, mostly thanks to my good friend Josh in Ohio. But that's because... People aren't foolish. My race certainly isn't. And these false prophet terror bastards will be exposed. Not by me, not even by the word of God, but by time. How can I say that? The truth always comes out. Period. And every Israelite man, woman, and child is going to come to a full realization of truth at that great white throne judgment when every knee bows. A lot of them are going to be saying, oops, should have followed the Jesus of the Bible. Not who Joel Steen told me was Jesus. Not what Craig Cobb says Jesus Christ represents, but who he is in the Word of God, the Son of God, not a Mexican. In the next sermon that we're going to be covering in this enduring and long-standing series on Morning Stars, we'll focus more directly on Christ's annunciation made by the Archangel Gabriel. And you might remember I did an entire sermon on the Archangel's Gabriel and Michael. In fact, Pastor Jay Faber was supposed to call in, but I believe he called towards the very end of that particular segment. But in the next part, we're going to be looking deeper at Gabriel's annunciation to Mary. 
saying, Thou hast found favor with Yahweh God. Blessed art thou among women. These are charges of Gabriel. And Gabriel just so happens to be in the Old Testament as well. So don't allow the false prophet to come along and say, Well, that's a different uh, Gabriel. <laughs> it's ridiculous, dear kinfolk, but many people follow it. We're also going to be looking at Satan's position as the dragon, quote-unquote. And why he's considered to be a dragon. We've already looked at why worms also represent a lesser form of serpent. But we're going to look at what dragons represent and why Satan is considered to be a dragon before and after his fall from heaven. Remember, in Scripture, Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, quote, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning, end quote. That, of course, is the contemporary English version, but I think it drives home the point. Jesus says, I saw Satan, proper name, fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. And so it stands that this ministry, CPM, will continue to preach the unadulterated word of God concerning the holy cherubim and seraphim and or evil spirits and demons as long as these false prophets exist and persist in claiming otherwise. So, Let's all be sure to do the same, dear kinsfolk. Thank you to each and every one of you who has sent support. It is much appreciated. If you desire to send support, it's very simple. Just make a check, money order out to Covenant People's Ministry and mail it to our P.O. Box. The address will be given here in less than a minute. You can send any type of support, letters of interest. If you require a newsletter or an introductory packet, please also contact us. Please know that every bit of financial support that is sent to the Covenant People's Ministry goes directly back into CPM in the hope that we will further the gospel for future generations and also be able to withstand a lot of these false prophets who aren't teaching what cooperates with Butler or even Jesus Christ of the Bible have and do. And so, dear kinsfolk, until next time, remember that there is an Obi and Visser show coming up for the last Wednesday of every month, which is about a week and a half from today. So I'll invite you to tune in for that. And always stay tuned and abreast of what's going on in Brooks, Georgia, in the Covenant People Search by visiting our forum and or website. And so, until next time, this is Pastor Visser saying thank you for listening. Great studies. War for Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies, Enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>